Our text for this morning from uh, the Gospel of Luke is Luke 19, verse 1 through 10. Picking up where we left off in the lectionary a couple weeks ago. Um, so great to have Ashley uh, speak with us uh, last week. She was really great. I thought offered a lot of really interesting thoughts to, uh, to talk about. So it led to some interesting conversations this week. Luke 19, starting in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through town. A man there named Zacchaeus, a ruler among tax collectors, was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he couldn't see because of the crowd. So he ran up, climbed up a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. I always love it when uh, the motorcycles go by on Sunday mornings. It's lovely. (laughs) When Jesus came to that spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay in your home today. So Zacchaeus came down at once, happy to welcome Jesus. Everyone who saw this grumbled, saying, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone, I repay them four times as much. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this household, because he too is the son of Abraham. The human one came to seek and save the lost. The word of the Lord. All right, so this text, um, this, how many people have heard the story of Zacchaeus, right? It's a pretty common story. We have like children's songs about it, um, but I can't sing. It's, I don't really remember much from sun, my Sunday school days when my grandma would drag me to church as a kid. Um, but this is, I mean, what we talk about in the Gospel of Luke all the time is the great reversal, that who Jesus is defying, who is in and who's out, uh, who is uh, sinner and saint. Uh, we talked a few weeks about uh, who is the goody and the baddie, because we are always the goodies, and, you know, we have the people in our minds who are the baddies over there. And, uh, you know, I've already spoken at length who those baddies for me are. Um, it's usually Christians. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. You know, I gotta love my own people. It's like being from Texas. Like, I can make fun of Texans because I am Texan. I feel like the same way. It's like, I can make fun of Christians because I am one. Um, but it's really interesting, the subversion here, because the Gospel of Luke is all about the poor and oppressed. Um, God lifting up those who are traditionally on the underside of power. And then this text doesn't follow that at all because Jesus goes to the house of the rich guy. Meanwhile, all the good people are there just like grumbling, like, why is he going to stay with this rich guy? Like, he's usually on our team. Like, what's going on here? So, um, yeah, I don't know what to do with this text, (laughs) to be honest. Uh, It's very confusing in in light of this uh, great reversal. Um, But I was talking with I'm going to have some random thoughts today, but I was talking with Eric earlier, and it gave, I just, since this text has been on my mind, you know, something that Eric said earlier just kind of struck me as connecting really well with this text. Um, in so much of our lives as individuals, at different moments, uh, come down to our willingness or ability to accept love. To be that free and to be that open, um, in there are moments, I think, in, in our lives where we're a bit more closed off to that, and we, we know what that feels like. 
And then there's a freedom when we're in a, a place in our lives where we're able to accept. Uh, I mean, if you've ever been in love, you know what that feels like, where you are so free and open. Uh, you're exposed in, in many ways, but you're so vulnerable um, that you're willing to take that risk and maybe say, I love you, and then just wait <laughs> to see what happens after that. Um, and I don't know, when Eric was, when, when we were talking earlier, it just kind of struck me that um, this, this is a passage, uh, you see Zacchaeus, despite all the stuff that he's done, I mean, this guy is, he's, like, he's a fraud. Uh, he, he's a, he's a tra- the people are grumbling because he's uh, betrayed them. He's a traitor. I mean, he's a, the, the tax collector at that time, right, I mean, probably most of you know, uh, is somebody who defrauds their own community to profit. So his wealth is made off the oppression of his, like, friends and community. I mean, that's terrible. So the fact that they're all grumbling about this guy makes sense. He's defrauded all of them and is wealthy because of it. So, um, you know, we also love, uh, like, goodies and baddies. Um, There's a sense in which we see ourselves as the good guys, and then there are all those people, whether they're politicians or people in our country, that are the baddies. And we're very, um, we're, we feel very secure in our critique often of who we uh, think are the baddies. I mean, goodness gracious, Paula White was just hired by the uh, administration as the, you know, the chief evangelical to evangelicals. Um, you know, and we could go on and on and on, and we don't have time to litigate uh, the people that profess to be uh, part of the Christian faith. But we feel very secure, and I think, like Brant and I have talked about, there's a need to, uh, to critique and speak truth to power and to be prophetic. Uh, but um, we often theologize that onto God. Our, our judgments, our um, self-righteousness, whether we uh, tend to be uh, self-righteous conservatives or self-righteous super-woke liberals, um, there's still that same impulse to, to be the judge. And then we theologize that and say, um, we primarily understand God and the divine as judge, Somebody up on high that's watching everything and making rulings and then saying who's in and who's out. Um, and then Christians have done this to say who gets eternal life and who doesn't exactly. So we theologize this and say God is it's like a judge. Uh, and here, you know, Jesus, he, he makes a judgment to our vertically challenged friend. And his judgment is radical acceptance. Um, you know, Richard Rohr, uh, you know, Kevin's not here, but, you know, I'll still quote R- Richard Rohr for Kevin, um, that uh, Jesus sees the, the true self or the divine indwelling within Zacchaeus. We all see, the crowd sees, what Zacchaeus has done. He's a fraud. He's, you know, cheated his people. Um, and they, they see him for that. And Jesus sees a deeper truth, and expresses a, a deeper grace, a love, maybe, that goes uh, beyond anything Zacchaeus has done, and that is hard for us to, to grapple with, and that's 
when we see that kind of radical love and embrace today that just doesn't compute for us. It just doesn't make sense. This guy should get what he deserves, <laughs> you know, whatever we think that that uh, should be. And we can replace Zacchaeus, which whatever bad person we want. I mean, really, it's, it's the question of what do we do when Jesus goes to Trump's house or Jesus goes to whoever you can fill in the blank for that you don't like? Um, what does that mean? How does that change your perception uh, or perspective of God? God, not as judge who I'm thinking, oh, God's going to, you know, uh, they'll, they'll get there. They'll get their justice, you know, that we often think kind of like that. They'll, you know, it, it'll come to them. But Jesus challenge, fundamentally challenges that entire notion and says, oh, I'll go stay at, I'll go stay at his house. And then we all grumble. You know, why is he, why is he not hanging out with the, the good people, the good ones? I'm rambling today. Um, so Jesus brings this cheating, fraudulent Zacchaeus, you know, down to the ground in which his salvation, the word here that is used is, um, is salvation. We might under, better understand it as transformation. You know, the gospel is uh, both scandalous and transformative. And that's a big piece of it, is the transformation part. So um, you don't have to, but you, could, you can kind of insert uh, when transformation for salvation um, in this instance. So when, he, when Zacchaeus receives this love and embrace, um, there's a transformative aspect. It, Zacchaeus doesn't continue to go on and uh, defraud his people. And that's kind of an important distinction in which uh, we might be able to say, um, you know, what hap- are the willingness to accept love. I think we see often uh, in our society in which um, people are not really converted. I'm going to quote Rohr again. Uh, you know, Rohr will say, you know, conversion is a moment um, in which you really get it. When something really clicks, that it's not uh, something that you intellectually ascend to and say, oh yeah, I believe that set of principles, or I adhere to a certain religious doctrine, and I'm going to belong to the team now, the right tribe, whatever it is. Um, it's, it's deeper. It's, it has to be a moment where everything clicks for you, um, and then in light of that, everything in your world and life changes. And that's what we see from Zacchaeus here. You know, he says, look, I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone, I'll give it four times back. Um, there's not a oh, yeah, Jesus came to stay at my house. I feel really good about myself, and so now I'm going to continue to cheat my community. Uh, There's a complete and utter transformation, um, perhaps because he is in a space where he's completely open and willing to accept that radical love, that radical love um, that sometimes we're closed off to. Um, Here, I I think he's completely wide open to to that embrace. Uh, And for some of us, it happens in an instant, and everything in our life and world changes. Um, for some of us, it takes small, what Thomas Merton or somebody said, small humiliations you know, throughout our life that uh, you know, some of us are slow learners. I'll put myself in that category. But um, transformation, conversion, salvation, all of these are where our entire lives are changed because of that encounter with love. Um, you know, Craig and I have talked about, 
you know, that you know, over the, ca- the course of the last year, that, you know, that experience of tr- transformation um, is powerful. Uh, Peter Rollins uh, says it like this, in Christ, the absolute other of God is said to enter the mundane world and set up home among us. Here, God is neither reduced to the world of objects nor remains in some space utterly beyond the world, but rather ruptures the present with the future, fractures the finite with the infinite, tears through the temporal with the eternal, inhabiting the now in the guise of the not yet. Here, God's otherness is no longer located in some eschatological realm beyond the present, present order of the world, but rather in an eschatological realm that infuses the present world, rupturing it and placing it into question. Here, the razor-sharp cut of God's kingdom does not presuppose a hairline gap between the present world and a world to come, but is rather that which slices through the present world with the world to come, inhabiting our world with a divine realm that is not reducible to our time and space. Uh, it's something that completely transforms the present. I think that's what we see in the life of Zacchaeus here. Um, his world is completely ruptured by this encounter with Christ. And then we see the, the poverty of the gospel of Luke again, in kind of in a different way, in a different light. And um, I think Luke as a writer is uh, incredibly clever here. So the poverty of the Gospel of Luke is one that's always about the restorative justice, uh, and that's what we see. It just doesn't end. Um, it just doesn't end with Jesus going to Zacchaeus's house. Um, that would have been kind of scandalous, but there would be no transformation. The story would just end, and you'd be like, "That's kind of scandalous." Um, so the poverty of the Gospel of Luke is one that always reflects a movement of restorative justice, an evolution of the kingdom of God that is expressed by restoring wholeness to those who are on the underside of power. So here the evolution within Zacchaeus is returning everything that he stole, everything that he cheated four times over, um, you know, doing it with interest. And then giving away half of his possessions to the poor. It's always, the kingdom of God is always a, an evolution of restoring justice. So as the kingdom of God develops in each of our lives, in our lives as a community, um, it may hit us in one sweeping moment. It may change us. Um, it might happen slowly over time. But it's always measured by an openness to love in a movement of justice, restoring both ourselves, our community, and the world. Uh, we see here Zacchaeus is um, able to completely let go of a false self. You know, Jesus sees and cuts straight through to who Zacchaeus is, who we all are, uh, in that Thomas Merton quote from earlier in the meditation, uh, that divine nothingness within us. And he's able to let go of all of that, uh, to let go of all of his, his past um, behavior, the way he had harmed other people. It's not an easy thing to do. So in the end, for us, perhaps we can relate to, to both. You know, sometimes we're 
in the crowd grumbling um, at the kind of favor and freedom that is given to people that we wouldn't like to see favor and freedom given to. And sometimes maybe we're Zacchaeus, we're kind of the fraudulent character who, um, who needs to be loved, and we need to be open and willing to, to be loved in that radical way, to then let go of things that we've, we've done, ways that we've harmed other people, uh, and then move towards that restorative justice, both for ourselves and maybe for others. But always in this, you know, parabolic story that uh, we get here, um, the response from Jesus is always the same. It's always the same. It's not one of uh, divine judge looking for retribution. Uh, Jesus is, he's cool, man. He's just there, you know. It's always the same. Uh, any ends the interaction, just like very cool, right? It's like I came to seek and save the lost. It's like such a cool ending to that. He says, the human one came to seek the saved and lost. The human one is what the CEB uses uh, for Son of God. He said, I came to seek and save the lost, which we all know is us here and now. Let's pray. Uh, loving God, uh, sometimes we're, uh, we're stuck in patterns of grumbling. Grumbling, making judgments, <sighs> critiquing all the people that we don't like, and we just get stuck in that rut. Uh, we pray for freedom from that, freedom from those patterns, freedom from um, having to always be right, um, freedom from um, needing to to be know-it-alls or to, to have all the right opinions. Um, give, grant us the grace to, uh, to just be, be who we truly are, the divine presence in each and every one of us, the true self, um, that loving gaze that um, each of us has from you, not one of judgment, just one of pure and utter acceptance, the divine's acceptance that we are accepted, which is hard so we pray that um, you would open up our hearts and minds, our bodies, um, as we go this week into our uh, places of work, our friends, our communities, um, so that our entire lives would be ruptured by a transformative experience um, with you, an encounter that um, changes how we see everything.